Hey gang, welcome to episode 201 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. And this episode is brought to you by listeners like you and was recorded in part at our uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, space sponsor, Thymelia Arts, over in East Hollywood, which is uh, also known as Fringe East during the Hollywood Fringe Festival. So shout out to Thymeli, uh, where I am getting back into the groove of working on this stuff full time. Last weekend, I was at the Overlook Film Festival. I was actually there from Wednesday uh, through uh, Sunday. Well, Monday was when I left New Orleans. First trip to New Orleans, first trip to the Overlook. And for this episode of the podcast, Kara Mandel, who is our senior AV producer and our festival correspondent, and I traded notes on our experience in Overlook's signature game, which this year was called All of Them Witches. Um, We're going to get in deep on it. Um, Kara and I had two very different takes because we were on two very different tracks. Uh, So our experiences were were almost almost the inverse of each other in a lot of ways. so I'll, I'll, let, I'll let what's about to, to unfold uh, speak for itself. Let's do a little bit of business beforehand. Um, Hollywood Fringe Festival is starting up right now. This is preview weekend. Our friends over at Leia, I am one of the friends. <laughs> I'm my own friend. Uh, well, that comes up later. Um, <laughs> have a brunch uh, tomorrow uh, on the 8th. Uh, here in LA. Uh, tickets are available on sale. You can check out at the Leia.design blog. Uh, it, there's uh, there are 10 bucks and it's like a mimosa bar and snacks and it's a town hall. So come meet, mingle. Uh, tickets are on sale till 11 o'clock tonight and then they cut off. If you get this well before then, I would suggest if you are interested, buy the tickets early so that uh, they can know how many people are coming and how many mimosas to prepare. See, that's, that tends to be how it works. Um, over on the site right now, we've had a really great week, week and a half worth of stuff. Uh, this, this fantastic article from Juliet uh, that was ostensibly a review of a jack-in-the-box chicken tenders selfie palace pop-up. I just said those words um, and became this, this uh, takedown's the wrong term, but... This uh, existential examination of just what the hell is going on when brands uh, jump into the immersive space and uh, really kind of gets into the heart of, you know, surface layer versus, um, you know, the actual point. Like, and the funny thing is, and I think it's it's really easy to for folks to like just spread a headline around and not RTFA. We know what RTFA means, right? Read that in article. Um, there were parts of this that Juliet liked. Um, so uh, I want people to know that. This is a thing, and I, this is pertinent to what's what's going to appear here. Um, people often fail to understand what criticism, particularly like 
measured, thoughtful, critical writing and debate, the discourse, as they call it over on Waypoint, uh, is actually about. What it's about isn't uh, getting your rocks off by uh, kicking someone when they're down or uh, you know, trying to prove who's the biggest fan of something and then acting all hella entitled if you don't get an invite, all of which is behavior we see in the enthusiast press and indeed even in the professional critical media all the time. Um, the idea here is to hold a mirror up to, to artifice and to see how well it's reflecting nature and to give insight to those who are both making and engaging with work in order to understand some of the forces that are going on by reflecting our own experience of it. Know that that is exactly what you're getting in today's episode of the podcast. Because like I said, Kara and I had very different experiences. Uh, Kara had an awesome, awesome, awesome time, and I wound up being really isolated. Um, so flash preview We're we're coming from really different points of view on this one. Um, and there's not necessarily, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a fault or, uh, or by design. Uh, it is, it is indeed just what happened. So we're getting in there. Um, okay. So read Juliet's piece because it is really good on that. Um, on the, the selfie palace experience with brands. I've got uh, my first impressions of Galaxy's Edge. That's over on the blog as well. Um, I had I had catharsis. I had kind of really uh, an intense experience. I think I talked about, about it on the show before, but I've written that up now. So that's readable. We've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's just, let's take a quick peek at what else is on the front page of the website as I talk. Uh, we've got uh, Kevin came through with an oral history of the Speakey Society's Kansas collection. Uh, there's also a review of uh, the portal from Kevin, which has gone up as the Speakey Society wraps things up. Uh, there is an interview with the creator of uh, Derives, uh, in which is in Toronto, if memory serves. Catherine has that up on the site. Um, Edwards got a review of a vision of the future of art at the Atelier de Luminaire. I just butchered that something fierce. And uh, an interview with Drew Peterson of Trusty Sidekick and Jay Lee and Yvang Chang of Wilderness. Step into a dreamlike tiny town with Elgin Park. That is all on the site, along with a hell of a lot of other stuff. The newswire is just jam-packed. And we've got... Um, the Nor North American went out today and uh, New York and LA go out this weekend. So the machine just doesn't stop. Check in right now with the Patreon. Um, want to thank our latest backers, Doug Horton, Eric Larkin, and Keith Russell. And want to thank Drew Nelson and Michael Bates for upping their pledges. Thank you all. Um, we're actually we're down about 30 bucks right now from the high we were at uh, before June because inevitably cards like get declined and then suddenly you lose backers, particularly when you're, you know, over 200. Uh, we've got 236 backers right now, so we've slipped a little bit even though we've added people. It's funky. This is now our steadiest source of income. So if you value what we're doing, uh, please, patreon.com slash no proscenium, a dollar a month helps out a lot. Uh, five, even more. Beyond that, you're too kind. Okay, uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium. Our sustaining backers are Mark Balthazar, Jan Bebman, Lonnie Hanson, 
Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. Okay, Kara and I are gonna are gonna get deep into it, and um, like I said, uh, and and you know I'm gonna wax a little bit poetic. I I did wind up spending a lot more time by myself than I thought I was going to, uh, just because kind of the legend of Overlook, as it were, um, and. Well, you know, you'll 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 go through there. So, like, I I did not have the experience I think I was expecting to have, and this is how it rolled out. That being said, and it's a point I make later, um, the curation here in terms of what's been put in and who Overlook is bringing uh, to the table uh, is just beyond reproach. So, want to give a big shout out to Landon and Lerman for really gathering just the best of the best uh, to the festival. And this is still something that's evolving and growing. So no one, no one should ever expect anything that isn't, I don't know, you know, con or Sundance or um, not even without walls, like without walls is still growing. So no one should expect something to be, you know, overnight. So this is an evolution. And this conversation you're about to hear is part of that evolution. We are here in Los Angeles. We're sitting in, uh, actually, we're at the Novro headquarters right now, which is the co-working space at Thymeli Arts. Shout out to John. Shout out. Um, and we're sitting in some nice comfy chairs. We're mm. holding our microphones and we're discussing the Overlook Film Festival yeah. with an emphasis on the game this year, a.k.a. All of Them Witches. All of Them Witches. So, um, Kara, maybe you could go ahead and give, and this because this is interesting, right? Mm. Like, we, we technically played the same game. Mm-hmm. But we did not play the same no, game. No, no, we did not. So since you, you spent a lot more time in the world of all of them witches, if, if, if you wanted to give someone the, the Hollywood elevator pitch, no. what was... What was uh, <laughs> I'm terrible at elevator pitches, <laughs> but I will try. Um, I would say that our track, there was the, the two tracks that you're referring to are the, the Platinum Pass and the All Access Pass. So we kind of had the same storyline, but two different divergent pathways to get there ours was more focused on a coven of witches that we uh were skeptical of at first but later came to trust who were warning us about a young artist and her brother who were up to some potentially nefarious things and it was our job to stop them and it was our job to keep people safe and to banish the evils that they were trying to create alternately your path my path. Uh, we were introduced. We were told at first that there was some mysterious deaths, deaths going on. Mm. Uh, some bodies washing up that were drained of life, and we were told to go meet uh, a young uh, filmmaker named Pierre, who was staying at the uh, Olivia House Hotel. Which, by the way, the Olivia House was sort of almost the immersive hub. Mm. I say almost the immersive hub. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into the, the, the overall festival later. Uh, but there was there were two other immersive events going on in there, and they had uh, set decked out a room, and Pierre was um, 
uh, showing uh, his his film was playing in the room. You could you would meet him in the lobby, and then you would he would encourage you to go back to his room where his film was playing. Where the film set the tone for us, I think, really well, and actually got my blood going because it reminded me of the film that's in the ring. Mm, yeah, right? and just. For the record, we also went to that hotel room and saw that film. So that was a, a point that we kind of diverged or converged, I should say. Yeah, it, it felt it felt like our paths, even though we were on different time tracks, like I think you guys got to see just about everything we saw with some extra stuff. There were some major plot points that I think both groups saw, but I, I question and I would love to dive into this deeper maybe not on the mics but uh we might have seen it from different perspectives so yeah you know something that was presented to us as nefarious might have pre- been presented to you as totally innocuous but in any case the storyline was there was an Anais, this young artist and her brother pierre a filmmaker and she was having a gallery opening and separately she was being threatened by at the time we didn't know it turns out it was these witches and she was uh, feeling in danger and that we needed to put a stop to this and her gallery needed to be postponed. Her gallery opening was postponed by a night. Yeah. And the gallery was a house that was used to be owned by uh, a couple named Roz and Judah. Yes. Uh, who, if you followed along the track, uh, any of the tracks, you learned, you ultimately learned, I think you guys probably learned faster than we did that Roz and Judah were part of this coven of witches, the unholy mess coven. If unholy mess of a coven. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, it, we, so we got a little clue packet and we could kind of go and have encounters with characters out in the French quarter. Yeah. And then that would culminate at points to us leaving the French cold quarter, going like 20, 25 minutes away by, sure. by lift. Um, or a lot longer by streetcar um, to go into a house that had been set decked up. We should pause for a second and say a little bit about who was making this because oh yeah, uh, Overlook recruited kind of an all-star team Dream out team. of out of the LA crew. Yeah, so we had on the puzzles we had Tommy Haunton, the lovely Tommy Haunton, famous for many an immersive experience, but specifically in Los Angeles, he's one of the co-creators of Stash House, one of my favorite escape rooms in LA. And Tommy was the puzzle master. Yes. And then we had uh, Eva Anderson and Eric Hoff, uh, who have in the of past... Drycraft, and uh, Eva wrote the play, uh, the immersive production Amos, a play which with Eric music, directed. which Eric directed. Eric was one of the co-writers and creators of The Society and the Boanthropic, both very talented uh, writers and collaborators. Yeah, And they were, they were, you know, weaving together... I mean, what was nice about this from from a writing craft standpoint and, and i've got some issues uh, with a couple of things um oh. but <laughs> oh do you you have issues with something <laughs> well something, something very specific i'll get to later okay. and, and, and probably come up with the write-up we'll certainly come up with the write because it's something that actually threw me out of the finale but we'll wait for that okay um and, and uh, in an unfortunate way um oh. particularly because like these are two writers whose work i i generally like a lot and yeah. i and i definitely like them as people um so Eva and Eric. So Eva and Eric were on the, the writing team, and then we had uh, the team from E3W Productions, yes. which would be Austin and Aaron Keeling and Natalie Jones, yes. who were the directing team. Just gems of human beings. And also, yeah. just really, uh, for those who are not familiar with their work, they kind of popped up out of nowhere and just hit the ground running a couple of years ago with these amazing productions of In Another Room and the sequel to In Another Room. And they just they have a very cinematic... Uh, ethos to all of their work oh, but yeah. it is just beautiful and haunting yeah the there is in a year when they're doing in another room 
it is hard to say that there's a better show yeah. in LA it's than tough, yeah. what they do. And they really brought their aesthetic and their sensibilities to the big set pieces. Yeah. And what was fun about this is we can say there were big set pieces here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first one being that that hotel room mm-hmm. uh, and indeed that that Ringu like <laughs> film, which I love and you can see on their uh, Instagram. Yes, so, they posted it online. Yeah, so which wh- I love because it's so well done. Oh, it's amazing. Great. Well that done. egg, that uh, egg dough. <laughs> and well, that, that we would be remiss yeah. in not mentioning Molly Elfman. And Molly Elfman, the who is fabulous the Molly Elfman, who has been the producer of the game for I think since its incarnation, but I'm not. I definitely the last three years. Yeah, and she is a cream of the crop producer and just a really lovely human being as well. And I think, and we're, we'll stay away from behind the scenes stuff in this cast. Okay, uh, but I think it's safe to say, without a doubt, that they all work their asses off. Yes, uh, and I've never seen a more exhausted group of human no. beings. And then, and then the poor things got delayed on the way home. And the Keelings <laughs> lost a whole day on I the way know. home. It was really, really rough. And like, we're it was, sorry, it was, guys. It was hard to hard to see. They but yeah, really, a really excellent. Uh, choices all around, and it seemed like it was a really beautiful collaboration. Yeah, no, I think I think without it, and that's and that's as much we'll say. Uh, that right. stuff. We're gonna stay. We're gonna stay focused on <laughs> the consumer experience, okay. as it were. So your experience didn't even begin until you got to the festival, correct? That's right. And I know that your experience started yeah. before then because I was seeing y'all post stuff on Insta. Sure. So let me let me start by just kind of the preamble leading up to the festival. And this is kind of one of the things that the immersive game has been known for in years past, which is one of our favorite things, which is that kind of building of excitement and anticipation in advance of the festival through either correspondence with characters or puzzle solving or who knows. So this year... Um, if you had purchased a platinum pass, which myself and my group of cohorts had, um, you were sent a package in the mail. And in the package, it was a strange <laughs> collection of items. It was a, the latest issue of Fangoria, um, the Us issue, and then a rock. Doesn't Jeff Heimbach have some some writing in it? <laughs> oh, why, yes, he, I believe he does. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff. Um, yeah, so uh, the latest Fango was in there, and then there was a rock that for me was painted with a kind of a bullseye pattern on one side and the letter E on another. I got a tarot card. Mine was the devil. And then uh, I was just excited. I got the devil. And then um, a little piece of paper uh, inviting me to uh, meet someone on a street corner on on the first night in town, look for someone holding a candle. And then I'm trying to remember. Oh, the email that we got along with that was to, you know, sign a release form and then also, you know, be on the lookout for this package. And once received to uh, share the earth or something to that effect. I'm going off of memory, but it was something about sharing the earth. And I took that to mean the rock. So, okay, I have this rock. I'm supposed to, I presume, share it on social media. They had included a hashtag in the email. So I not knowing how much I should be sharing or shouldn't be sharing of the rock, shared the front of it with the bullseye. In retrospect, I now think we were supposed to share both sides of it, but I digress. So I shared a post of that, and then everybody else started kind of trickling in with their posts. Now, the Fangoria, this was a delightful gag, had three pages earmarked. Uh, the first was kind of like the the letters to the editor kind of page, and there was all these different, um, you know, standard Fangoria emails or letters to the editor. But uh, one of them was talking about all of these bodies that have been showing up in New Orleans and why aren't the police taking this more seriously? It was, it was kind of a, 
innocuous enough, but like if you were reading the magazine, it probably wouldn't make much sense to you. But I'm like, oh, New Orleans. Okay, this page is earmarked for a reason. Separately, I get followed on Instagram by a character, a person named Anais Artiste, and she DMs me, um, oh, are you coming to, because after I posted the photo of the rock, she DMs me, oh, are you coming to New Orleans for that Overlook thing? You should come to my gallery opening. And I said, oh, hmm, maybe I will. Side note, the image was KDP body, so I yeah. knew it was so in So yeah, game. you recognized, <laughs> you recognized the, the, the actor. I was about to ask that. Yeah, well, yeah. and but, you know, still. Not everyone... Not everyone playing the game is No, I think I was one of the, only yeah. one of the few people who was like, ah, oh, this is in game. Yeah. Because other people, I think, came about it organically, and that's fun. Yeah. So then the second page in there um, was, uh, it was just at the bottom of a page, there was a, a strange-looking circular kind of symbol. It meant nothing at the time. And I was kind of looking at it like, hmm, I don't see any kind of a puzzle here that I can solve, and I'm a puzzle nut. Right. But I feel like I need more information. Okay, take a picture of that, keep that for later. And then the third thing was kind of in the classified section with a lot of asterisks surrounding it. This Anais artist talking about her gallery opening. I put it all together. Okay. This, this thing in Fango correlates to this woman who has DM'd me inviting me to her thing is game. So, as what, Rachel you're, so, you're, so what you're telling <laughs> me is that the creators of this seeded yes. the world into the most recent issue of Fangoria. Yes. Yes, they did. And it made me very happy. That's, that's awesome. And I got to say, as someone who's like not on that track, it's like, oh, that would have been like cool for someone to like point out that like it's it's like extended out you know, beyond and that there's this artifact that's like floating there in yeah. the world. Because that, that, that's one of the things about ARGs that's always kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I think back to the June Institute. Yeah. And just walking around San Francisco and seeing really weird paste up signs and wondering what lunatics were were talking about, you know, vans like yeah. past, you know, shooting, you know, mind control rays at people. And that was all part of Jejun. Yeah. Um, well, a friend of mine, Ciara, who could not make it this year. Ah, shout out, Ciara, you were missed. Um, when I told her that there was some... Uh, some shenanigans game related in the latest Fango, her head practically exploded. It was great. So oh, yeah. there's definitely, it was so cool, but at the same time, and this is just a factor of everybody from last year and, and kind of the game players this year, we all had kind of a group chat going on Facebook ahead of time. And we were all trying so hard to be respectful of not spoiling anything for each other. Cause the packages were arriving at different times because ah. we're all in different parts of the country. So we were being really like, I received a thing and I, I don't want to <laughs> say what it is. Let me know when you got your thing. Yeah. And by the time everybody had got their thing, it was like time to go to the festival. So none of us really, yeah. <laughs> I think, properly publicized uh, what the items were. Also, we weren't sure what what part they were going to play in the game. And the, it, the email specifically only said to post about the earth, so thus the rocks. Right. I don't know if that was right or wrong. I guess we'll find out when we talk to the game creators yeah. later. So, so, and that's this is something that's always been of interest in part of the the myth and the legend yeah. of the Overlook game, which is that it's it's this kind of this social network thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you always have this with ARGs, is you have like a core group of players who don't just play the game, but play the game together, and this, right from the jump, from the beast on, just this this phenomenon Community. of, yeah, and of, uh, and of like a, a, a hive mind yeah. even, that just, you know, takes apart you know puzzles and and puts together narratives 
collectively like like a swarm just to the point where like famously with you know cloud makers with the beast you know you know alan lee and all those guys could not keep up yeah. with the players themselves so that's that's always part of the the, the danger here of playing with well, this look, too i'm speaking right now and just in full disclosure i'm speaking as both a player of the game for several years now a immersive content creator myself and also somebody who is uh, inarguably one of the nuttiest players in years past. I mean, I have been told by people that they had a plan B in place for me and my friends in case we got too wacky, you know, like we just love it so much and we would go so deep. Um, I learned the term from a, another friend of ours in the immersive community, apophenia, which is like you're kind of seeing meaning where meaning doesn't exist. And we oh, call yeah. it game brain. So basically yeah. you're just kind of like losing your damn mind playing this game and everything has to mean something. Thankfully, uh, the game creators over the years have gotten wise to that and, and figured out ways to kind of signify what is and is not part of the game. So whether it be an authority figure button or uh, it's rules. Blake. Oh, so. hi, Blake. <laughs> yeah, now you're on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so anyways, uh, I digress. But um, so yes, the, the game brings people together in a very quick and fierce way and it, it forms friendships for lives and it's a wonderful um, bonding tool. So what's interesting is that my experience of the game this year, uh, aside from the storyline side, mm. was really solitary. Yeah. Because I had I had the unique experience, <laughs> literally unique. Um, everyone I knew at Overlook, and I knew a fair number of people at Overlook. Everyone I knew at Overlook was either running the festival, making the immersive shows, or was playing, making the game, or playing on the platinum track. And you and had gone the all access route, and 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 the festival had decided to. I think they didn't put anyone who was press on the platinum track, hmm. like for whatever for whatever reason. And this is not me going like I should have been on. I think it's actually really valuable. Well, we got to have different sides exactly. of the like, coin. Yeah, yeah. As as an outlet, we now have these these this this stereoscopic vision yeah. of what this thing is. And so I'm like, stoked to hear about what happened for you guys because I still haven't gotten a download on the, like, the full story. Well, and like, I mean, see, see, what up happening in terms of my experience is one, the social aspect didn't really seem to be there mm. at, at all. We'd Part of that was like, by luck, the group that I just the, the group that I got onboarded with and the funny I mean funny thing was I signed up for one onboarding slot I arrived a little early and it just so happened that like you know JFI Productions was there and mm-hmm. I was like oh I know you guys oh you're gonna play great I'll go with you guys uh well they could not actually play the game sure so no, I can't imagine they so if 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 someone had stopped me then or if I had just gone at like the time I, I was supposed to go, yeah. there would have been like some other people and I would have met people in the I wish I had known. We have lovely friends. I just want to shout out to Jonathan and Christy, who I was also very sad I didn't get to play the game with this yeah. year, but they by all accounts had a great time on their own and and in fact kind of got to be a little bit of a mentorship figure for the newer players on that track because they have experience nice. i wish i'd have known i would have connected you guys and you guys could yeah. have all scooby gang together but, but i saw you like all of like three times for two minutes right well noah that's what phones are for <laughs> just for next time right. text me well but like also <laughs> but you guys were also told like not to like interact with us too right? yeah like, well not know. to share story i think yeah. interaction is fine yeah um but so, like, by by luck of the draw, I wound up going into the first couple of scenes with people who just literally could not play uh, because they were 
delivering content mm. at the times when things were happening. So you kind of ended up a lone wolf. So I ended up ended up a lone wolf, and there were, there were some things I had to go do, and like you know, th- there was the there was a lot of going kind of back and forth, like in terms of the the big set pieces for us, like out of the French Quarter, deep into town, yeah. and then kind of coming back. And I had I had prioritized immersive stuff um, over any kind of film setup sure. uh, for me because like hi this is what we what we do here. Um, so it just it wound up being I spent a lot of time by myself. Hmm. Um, the interactions I had were good. the The feeling of this experience for me uh, I've likened to watching a net or my housemates binge watching a Netflix show and I walk into the living room and I'm like, what's going, what is this? Oh, who, who's that character? Okay. Oh, that looks interesting. Okay. I got some stuff I got to go do. And then coming back a couple hours later and it's like, what are they doing now? (laughs) Oh, weird. What happened to that person? Huh? Strange. I'll see you in a bit. Let me ask you, was that a factor of your schedule or was that a factor of not having other game players to kind of help assist you in the journey? I'm just curious. I mean, I think, I mean, after the first day, like when the first day felt like it had on this track, like kind of like some of the most stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, By first day, I mean Friday. Right. Well, let's just talk about what happened on Friday and then we can kind of go through. Yeah. So like Friday. So Friday, you know, you you get you get your wristband, uh, you get your wristband, you go to the Olivier, you get you get a couple of packets worth of stuff uh, and you see the video. And then one of the witches pops out and is like, you know, get the F out of here, interlopers, go, 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 go. And at that point, you've got. Uh, a few a few puzzle pieces and the people I were with instantly went off and did not I think they 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 kind of went off in one direction and I I was like okay well I'll go track on the other and like they also knew that there was like the gallery opening that night uh, and they would not be able to go so I was like okay I'll I'll keep you guys informed mm. as to what's going on in the gallery opening now- and so then I went off and I I uh, encountered uh, Anise. Uh, and then I had some stuff. I had some other stuff I was scheduled to go do, so I did that. And I didn't. There was a there was a possibility to encounter Roz, who's one of the members of the Unholy Mess Coven. Uh, and I did not do that actually until about five minutes after we were supposed to, mm. because I had I had gone all the way. I think had I gone all the way out. I think it was something like it was like uh, I had gone all the way out to the because I think our times for the gallery were like like one to five was when it was open. Yeah, yeah. So basically like I did the thing I had to do and then I then I you know, lifted out or maybe I actually like streetcar no, I lifted <laughs> out all the way out there. Um and then it was near where I was staying. So I walked it was like a 20 minute walk, but I was like, I'm not going to spend more money. So like I walked because it was like it was because lift in New Orleans, like strangely way more expensive than L.A. Right. Like to go across it was like 20 bucks, like each time, like mm. to go like, you know, 20 minutes it was a dollar a minute, essentially. Um, so I walked over there, did that, uh, caught a lift back with some folks, um, started to go want, really wanted to eat, um, was going to head into uh 
catch Roz and get some bow down in the French quarter because someone had mentioned there was a bow See, there's place. your first mistake. You can't eat during Overlook. Right. Well, I'm just kidding. Well, and then, I, <laughs> and then I ran into Landon. Landon was like, oh, I'm leaving this thing. So like Landon like waylaid me. Landon like runs Overlook, waylaid me. And then we like walked into the French quarter instead of me riding a streetcar into the French quarter, um, like down further into the French market. Uh, I went to the bow place. And the bow place was like right across the street from where Roz was. And I just got lucky enough to like run into Roz. Oh, no. I must have run into Roz before I went out to the thing because I got the vial of poison there. So like there was something else I was doing yeah. and then I was like all the way back. So like it's even like jumbling up in my head which order. But like all the stuff downtown Oh, that's what it was. It was like I was I was trying to figure out like okay, well what do I do now because like you know, there the thing I was doing was going to be later and I was like, okay, well what what do I have to do? Because I did not know how much game stuff there was going to be. Sure. So I wasn't trying to like wedge like, oh, now I'm going to run in this film. Now I'm going to run in that film. Also, like, I like horror films, but, you know, they're not, I don't, like, run, you know, beat the doors down for them. That wasn't your focus of being yeah, there. it wasn't my focus. Yeah. Uh, and Overlook is a film festival. Yeah, so first and foremost. There's, there's, it's kind of a, a liminal space to be in. Uh, if, if I kind of feel like if you're going to do, if, if immersive is your primary thing, and if they maintain this platinum kind of pass thing, and if something like the immersive game is really attractive idea to you there's no reason if you're an immersive head to do anything but that, that unless path. you have friends who have films in the festival and then you want to do everything right well but but then that's <laughs> but that's the flip of it right like if if the film is like a if films a, a component even if it's like you have friends or if horror films are then then the other track makes sense um, but like, but right I now, want it all, Noah. <laughs> well, like finding and and that's and that's kind of going to be a struggle for them is like trying to figure out like how to how to balance this. Yeah, stuff. no, and I here's what I'll say about that. So uh, this was a unique year where I, where and I did have a couple friends whose films I just I I insisted I had to go to. I wanted to be there, be supportive, but I also paid for that platinum pass, and I wanted to have the full game experience because I'm a nut job. So you know, for me. That was on me. That was me making decisions and having Sophie's choice of what do I do. And thankfully, I was able to make it all work. And thankfully, the game scheduling was actually pretty beautifully designed around most of the festival things that I wanted to get to. I will say that for the Platinum Pass, one of the things they did this year, which I was very grateful for, was give us a first choice of time slots for all of the other immersive activations happening because uh last year it was kind of a free-for-all and you would end up you know maybe not getting tickets to something because they sold out so yeah. if you're paying that much more then the added value that goes along with that is uh, priority seating basically yeah. so uh, that was helpful and yeah. the other thing that i will say was that was beautiful organization was that those spots that became available for us prior to the general sale going online were specifically spots that wouldn't conflict with the game. So we didn't even have to think about schedule. It was like, these spots are the ones that yeah. we're offering to you. And if you choose them, don't worry, it won't conflict with the game. So yeah. beautiful admin note, shout out, whoever did that. I yeah. don't know if that was Amber or yeah. Wally well, and, or and whoever. That's, and that's, I mean, and that's because they wanted to like, you know, program you guys as, as best they could. And that's, and that's fantastic, right? Like that's, I just appreciate yeah. good logistical planning. Well, and that's <laughs> and that and for people who are like I said, for people who are prioritizing immersive, like yeah. that's what you're going to want. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're if something like the game is not something, if you're an immersive head, but the game isn't something you're necessarily interested in, like you know, I could have knocked out 
everything other than the game in a day that was immersive or almost less than a day. It would have been a full day, but sure. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you had like about a half hour with House of Enchantments. You had about 10 minutes with room service. I know one person went back to back on battle. I would not recommend doing no, those back to back. No, very different headspaces. Very different headspaces. <laughs> and like they, they had a very different headspace because of that. Both beautifully executed, yeah. which we can talk oh, about later. Absolutely. Fant- absolutely fantastic. Nothing pieces. but rave reviews for both of us. Oh those. my God. So freaking good. Yeah. Um, and then like Fire Escape, which is this long form VR piece. that was Very about, cool. Yeah, that was about an hour long. And then um, you had about a 20 minute uh, story with Clay Pumpkin Pie One uh, on Ones, uh, the Pumpkin Pie One on Ones, just one of the most genius storytellers I've ever yeah. experienced. So I mean, and those were the four things kind of tracked into immersive. So if you like, if, well, and, and also and the VR lounge, what? Yes, yeah. and also the um, Deliport oh, Adventures, and Saints yeah, Saints yeah, which was maybe that's. Oh, that was Thursday. Night, so. so Saints Bone, just yeah. for those who don't yeah. know, was um, it was kind of a, a it was designed by the same fellow Andrew. Preble, yep. who owns uh, Escape My Room New yep. Orleans, is that yep. okay? I We're just want to make him sh- on the show as well. Yeah, so he's yes. he's great. Andrew's great. And if you're ever in New Orleans, I can't recommend those rooms highly enough. I'm I'm an escape room junkie, and they are great. They are immersive, and I mean that in every sense Ooh, of the word. They set you up before you even start them. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So he uh, and his team design kind of a scavenger hunt with characters. I don't want to call it an immersive. If you've Experience? done, if you've done accomplice, accomplice New York is very similar. Yeah. It is. It is right out of that vein. Very much so, um, but yeah. with a very New Orleans twist, oh, totally and you're learning about the focused. history. So yeah. I will say, and I've only done accomplice, uh, the village, but um, the one I don't want to spoil anything for those. But that was a loosely based on a well-known story. Right. This, on the other hand, is literally teaching you about the history of the location you're in, which I liked that it was site specific and historically based um it's basically a series of puzzles it's team based and you're encountering actors along the way and uh you're trying to well i don't want to say too much because it sounds like this might end up being an ongoing experience yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna be running it during uh the room escape artist tour cool um and highly recommend super fun and they from what i know they definitely are looking to you keep it going yeah i hope they do i think it's i think it's great especially you know you could even build it out further, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, well, and it's about a two close to a two hour long. Thing. I just mean you yeah. could build in a meal or or like oh, yeah, like no. have it actually be part of like a full day adventure. Yeah, so 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 you've got about you've got like about three hours, two, three, four, about four hours worth. Like it'd be it'd be a very tiring day, particularly with Saints Bone. I feel like it, that's a weekend's worth of content. You don't want to do it all in one day, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, but you could, but if you, but if that's all you were going for, you, sure. could, you could slam it if through. If all you wanted to do was just the immersive stuff, sans game, yeah. you could go for the weekend and, and get yeah. it all in. Yeah, you, or you could go for, you go for a day and like knock it all out. Agree to disagree. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, but the, you know, there's other stuff, because there's other stuff at at Overlook. There's podcasts, yeah. and there's the films, and there's there's a fair amount of of stuff in there. Um, but not knowing, not necessarily knowing how much time, and sort of knowing the myth of the game being this like all encompassing thing. Like, I, I sort of lived with a not knowing when something was going to drop, mm. and being like, oh, when's gonna, something going to drop? So it was really interesting. Was to cu- you know, when we came out of uh, the art gallery, which was the big set piece on Friday. Yeah. Right. So the art gallery was a big set piece on Friday. And we uh, 
have this, I think we both have the same experience. You come into the art gallery and then you wind up in the basement. And, and we should clarify that yeah. we are both separately writing our respective right. experiences in greater detail. There will be a video accompanying mine. So the fact that we're kind of glossing over the details of the story is not because yeah. we don't intend to talk about it. It's yeah. just, you know, <laughs> this, stay tuned. There's this, this a pointer for that. <laughs> this is more just about our experience yeah. at the festival. So, you know, we came out of that and what was interesting there was that it had felt like it was a sorting hat moment on on our end because I watched some people take the poison that they had gotten from Roz and mm. give it to Ennis and Ennis like had a little freak out and marked their hands with uh, a protection with spell. a protection spell <laughs> um, and then we all went down and then I had the poison like also and I was like oh well I'm gonna at least like not give it because I want to see what happens by making that other choice I poisoned her right. Um, Sorry. And then we went downstairs and they got a interaction where they got like spat in their hand as in it, whereas we just got marked with blood on our forehead. I mean, it wasn't spit. It was just some blood. Oh, no. There was at least when she did it, there was spit, too. Uh-oh. So there was blood and then she spat. Oh, fun. So um, and then the others, those of us who didn't, we just got marked on our forehead. Yes. And it felt there's a very fun photo of me in the back of a lift covered in blood. Yeah. And so there was just this, it felt at that moment that, oh, we had been sorted based on the action. Um, But it also, I had literally no idea what, what my next step was. Mostly because the clues we had gotten by that point were pretty much for earlier in the day. Like they had been, they had been expended by then. It was clear that the, the game world had moved on. If we had, you know, the things that were left to do were, Mostly like try and track someone at a certain time, but the time had already passed. So we got out of that thing and then like spent the next couple of hours being like, I don't know if I've failed out of the game now. Like there was, but that was the thing was like, I just, not knowing what my next step was, not having like a clear, like, and now you do this. I was like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's next. And like, we got an email like a few hours later Mm. that was, um, you know, tomorrow, you know, Pierre and Annie aren't feeling too good. Come by, come by the, the hotel room tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And so at that point, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I haven't failed out of the game. Uh, but also I'm like, but were we sorted in different tracks? To be clear, yeah. there is no failing out of the game, which maybe you didn't realize at the time, but it's not, it's not that kind of a game. It's, well, it's, more, it's an experiential story that you are, right. but you're like, along for the ride. But more, more in the sense of, like had fallen off the track oh, right? sure. and being like, Oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Right. I don't feel like I'm supposed to do something. So you next. guys didn't have any kind of a centralized chat or any kind of, you didn't have any point of contact for what is happening now. No, there was no, there was no built in like, no, there wasn't social, anything built yeah, in. There yeah, was no built in and that. there was no one kind of handy. Around. Like I looked at, I tried to look at the hashtags online to see if I could find hashtags uh, and See the, see and here's talking. the problem with yeah. the hashtags was one of the things that came with our onboarding and I presume with yours was don't share the details of your experience with anyone who's not wearing one of these vials and the vials were what the um, platinum pass people wore yeah. to signify that they're platinum. So I think it actually the inadvertently stopped people from sharing a lot on social media because they weren't sure story-wise what was okay and what was not okay to share well and then and then the the all-access people we had blue wristbands although ironically i was so 
freaking tired by the end of the first day that when I got home, because I'd, I'd done Saint Spone and I like crossed town and like walked all over the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just completely exhausted. Let me guess. Um, you took off your wristband. Yeah, I took off the wristband because I couldn't remember what it was from. Oh, no. I was just like, oh, I don't know what this is. And then I watched people walking around the next day. I was like, what is that from? I was like, and I was like, oh, I remember getting it somewhere, but I do not remember at all where I had gotten it from and it wasn't even and it wasn't and um saint spun had been the first day that was the thing saint spun had been the first day and like it sounds like for your first overlook you could have used a big brother or sister (laughs) to kind of take you under their wing yeah and show you the ropes because it can be a lot and and it definitely requires a lot of plan i literally create a spreadsheet every year with a grid but you know anyone who knows me knows i love spreadsheets (laughs) (laughs) but i you you need it unfortunately like to just to know where to be when because there's so much to do Aside from the game, too, you know, yeah. if you want to go to see Elijah Wood's podcast or if you want to go see Amy and Paul Shear. And I mean, there's just so much to do. And if you can schedule it right, you can do most of it. Yeah. But it literally requires a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes I like getting the serendipitous version of something. Because, yeah. I mean, the, f- the thing I love most about a multi-day festival is hearing the buzz and then going and catching something because there's buzz about it. Mm. Um, and Overlook's a little different in that, like, not a lot of stuff screens twice. Um, yeah, you know, well, because it's so short. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a Sundance length, um, which is, like, you know, a week and a half, right? Um, but, like, there's also just, you know, we're in the French Quarter. And, like, running into people, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I mean, you can see people got their badges on, but like there, there isn't exactly like a, a central social hub. Yeah, I'll say this, uh, and I don't have many criticisms of the experience this year. I think it actually went really well, and I was very pleased with a lot of the things that they did, and and I could see, I could see the amount of effort that went into trying to address people's concerns, myself included. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I heard from a lot of people, and I will say I agree with, was the fact that there isn't a home base for the festival, like perhaps in past years when it was smaller, which it's outgrown its, you know, cozy locale yeah. uh, capability. Um, but because there wasn't a singular home base, it was a little harder to kind of feel that festival communal community feeling unless you were with a group of people playing the game or with your fellow filmmakers or, or with your crew. Um, so it was a lot of kind of like bouncing from a hotel to a theater yeah. to a, another location for panels. And it was just a little bit more spread out amongst yeah. the city. Well, and I think like with a crew is actually kind of like what it's, it's not even necessarily intentionally designed to support, but what it supports best because yeah. You know, if if folks have a crew, and I definitely saw a lot of crews kind of running together. Yeah. And you know, it makes sense in New Orleans, crews are a thing, right? So, <laughs> you know, like. Pun intended. Um, but it, what I will say, yeah. to be fair, playing devil's advocate, um, our nut job platinum group, night one was our, let's call it onboarding, but it was like our, our clandestine meeting with the person holding the candle. And we went to a house and we were given kind of a private storytelling experience. Clay actually was our storyteller, but he, he was there under the guise of they paid me 75 bucks to read you a story. I got nothing to do with this. I'm just going to tell the story and then launched into this beautifully haunting tale because he again is a genius. Um, but one of the things that we did immediately after leaving that house was Rachel, Rachel Walker, shout out. And I, uh, gathered everyone up and we said, okay, we all need to be on a group chat. Everybody give us your Facebook name. And we all just sat there and I hopefully got 
every single person who was in that track onto one group chat because it was going to be necessary. And it, oh my God, it saved the weekend because, you know, there was things that were collaborative. You know, we needed to put all of our stones together to spell out a phrase. We needed to gather up all of our tarot cards because there was blood on the sides and that, that blood ended up becoming a cipher that deciphered another puzzle. So literally, had we not done that, I don't know how we could have possibly succeeded at the game unless the game creators had kind of intervened and said, everybody meet at this point at this time and bring this, you yeah. know? So that for us worked, but that was also the benefit of having done this game a few years in different incarnations yeah. and knowing that what a valuable tool a group chat can be. And what I wish for future years, if there is a way to do this is that they will create that in game so that there will be some, whether it be a Slack or a Facebook chat or whatever manner of communication, that there is a, a central place where players can go to chat. That isn't um, the onus wouldn't be on the players to add people because had I known, I would have said, Jonathan Christie, add Noah to your group, you know? Yeah. So it's just, it was just a factor of, of you not knowing that that tool was there. Yeah. Or not. Well, I mean, and it's not like I don't know how to use Slack. It's just like, again, the irony is everyone I knew either could not play the yeah. game because they were making it or was on we're, the other team. We're not, we're not we're yeah. in a different parallel Well, I'm universe. sorry that happened. And I yeah. wish that you'd have gotten to have the full kind of communal experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely became, it became like academically interesting in that way. And like what was, I mean, something that was interesting too was, you know, in the last scene before you guys came in, was there was a moment we were told to like go introduce ourselves to each other and so it was like oh we're finally meeting the other people who are playing right and like oh because you guys have been kind of all in different we, groups everyone had been in different groups and there was a there was a large number of us and like yeah. a lot of people didn't it was clear a lot of people didn't know each other a lot of people didn't know each other um you know there there was i mean the, the funny thing about these things is they are social experiences right yeah. and like this is something that i don't think and this is not like a you're doing it wrong. I don't think this is something that anyone has cracked, right? Not Jejun, you know, to some degree Darren has with the tension ARG, but even then, like no one's quite totally baked in and probably like the tension is the closest because of the forums, right? Because tension has the forums and you're, you're even the forums, the forums weren't sufficient enough because there was a lot of chatter that was happening on Facebook. Uh, if you remember, I don't know yeah. if you were there in those days, but like basically all the chatter was happening in these private Facebook groups and the creators couldn't see what was happening. They just kind of had to rely on presumably their plants within that group. Yeah. So they ultimately moved it all over to a Slack, which is, I call it the summer of Slack because it was just every oh, yeah. immersive experience had a Slack and yeah. I was just over it, but it's calmed down, Yeah. <laughs> but it had to go somewhere so that they could kind of keep an eye on things and guide things in the direction narratively they needed to. Yeah. Um, so what I will say is that if you're going to have a sprawling immersive game with players, even if you're going to have separate teams of players, it would be good in the future if there is some centralized communication platform that's set up ahead of time. But that's optional for, I mean, people can yeah. just choose. They can to also use just go low or ignore it. And yeah, yeah, they don't have to. You know, like some, some, some way, some way just like fire up a flare, particularly if there isn't going to be a, f a physical hub. I mean, like it's, I, I look back to like, you know, the, the earlier incarnations, the pre New Orleans incarnations of the festival, and yeah. it's like, y'all were basically trapped in a hotel together, yeah, right? Great. So it's like, it's a little bit easier when it's like, 
you're the only people there. Right? Well, there yeah. were other people there and they thought we were crazy. <laughs> and here's why. We were. Um, no, I mean, like, but I mean, Colorado uh, yeah. was up at the Stanley Hotel. That yeah. was back when it was the Stanley Fest. And, and well, while it was, you, it was a different festival. It was a then. different festival, yeah. but I'm just saying the it, game yeah. existed then. Yeah. And then when it moved to Portland and it was Overlook Film Festival, we were up at the Timberline Lodge. But to be fair, there were also people staying down in Govey at like Airbnbs and hotels and things. So th- there was a little bit more separation, but it was all still one small mountain town and it was just a shuttle ride up and down to each other. So yes, there was a very much centralized location for the festival yeah. where the evening events all took place at this place. Um, that being said, they they have far outgrown. Oh, yeah. No, venues I mean, of that size i mean it's gonna it would be hard well that's kind of the, the interesting quandary it's like it'd be hard to i don't know if you can ever find a place that yeah. would be enough to hold everybody and if like, anyone has any suggestions i would love to hear them yeah. because my goodness that would be fun yeah but <laughs> but the flip side is like okay so how do you do it when you don't have everyone under the same roof or almost everyone under the same roof well i mean maybe there's a a way in the future where it's like if you want to play the game you should stay at this location that's not a terrible idea every once in a while i have not terrible ideas yeah (laughs) it's it's definitely something i mean not we're not i don't think we're trying to be prescriptive here but you know there was something I mean, it was, you know, one thing that was kind of fun was that because a couple of the immersives were happening at the Olivier, you know, the Olivier f- sort of felt like the home of that stuff. It certainly was helpful for press interviews on Sunday. Oh, yes, it was. Um, and so kind of like, again, like, you know, like immersive is spatial. Mm. Immersive yeah. immersive happens in space. And um, just the, how things are elastic or not elastic. Uh, and. I mean, the French, I mean, New Orleans is fascinating in and of itself. And like, I look forward to like writing up just about New Orleans. Um, I just want to <laughs> go take another trip and just see that city and not be, you know, solving puzzles at the time, even though I love solving puzzles. Yeah. I just feel like I still, I've gone twice now and I still feel like I don't know where anything is because I'm just running around looking for blood. I mean, I was <laughs> staying, I was staying pretty far out. I was actually ironically staying at a place that got used as a set in the game. Yeah. Um, and... That was all the way out in Carrollton, um, uh, which is uh, Nostalgia Purgatory, which is uh, Winthorne's project. And the street there, like, it's like a trap for me. Like, it's the most amazing street Mm. I've found almost in America. Like, I want to go back and spend three weeks on a writing retreat in that neighborhood and not leave that neighborhood because it's got everything I need. I'll tell you what it has afterwards. I'm probably going to go into a write-up. But, like... I will say, just sidebar, the locations that they secured this year for the game fantastic oh yeah i mean that music box theater whatever it was called it was i'll this will all be in the article in greater detail i'm kind of just music box theater uh you did not experience this yeah this was a platinum immersive thing only so we had (laughs) and i just want to thank whoever it was who came up with the idea for us to have to be there at 6 a.m oh the music box out out in the out near yeah. the river yeah 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 so one of the things that we now had to do uh it was a lovely little fun moment in story where we went to this tarot reading with the character Roz, and she was you know very charming and then at the end she said and i would suggest you might want to buy some red bull because the next 48 hours are going to be hell <laughs> and i was just like okay cool come to find we had a 6 a.m call the next morning at this location that we'd solved from the puzzles throughout the day 
and it was the river bend where these water bodies had been washing up supposedly and it ended up being actually a music venue but it's this kind of Almost the, theater in the round, yeah, outdoor. It's the Music Box, box Village. Yes, Music um, Box Village. Thank you. And that company, that company is like you know they're on our radar here at No Pro. And so like cool. They've done, they've done site a lot of site specific work, and like yeah. that thing is really a site specific art venue. That and created. Wonderland, the house, which yeah. I'm forgetting her name, the owner of Wonderland, but she is delightful. Um, they used that venue last year as well. I mean, it just so many really beautiful uniquely new orleans locations so kudos on finding some real gems yeah and that that theater the mudlark theater shout out to them yeah and so i mean they did a really good job of showcasing that stuff and look yeah. like what what we had on the all access track you know because we had we had a scene at nostalgia purgatory which i think was distinctly different from the scenes you guys had at nostalgia purgatory which i'm just learning today Cause like we, you know, we go in and there's like the, there's the house diorama, which I'm probably pretty sure I, I bet you guys saw. And then we head, we did, we head down and through the back, uh, through kind of like, there's a, there's a bedroom where things are kind of messed up. Yeah. Saw that. Um, and then, or maybe you just got like got an extra room. Here's what I think happened yeah. from just little tidbits I've heard. I think we both had the first half together. Right. I mean, not together, but we both had the same first half of, of the experience then you exited and your experience was over. Whereas when we exited, we were brought back in the house through the rear entrance and through kind of rewinding through the series of rooms that we were in into almost an escape room type experience with a character, Anais, mm -hmm. um, kind of wrapped up with strings tied to bells. And there was a, a box with a book for some people and others got, a I think, pages. And basically... It was a neat little Indiana Jones kind of moment where you had to solve a puzzle to open a box and inside the box there was an object and you had to try and get the object out without ringing any of the bells that were attached to her because it would wake her up and oh no. So it was it was a high level of, of tension and no pun intended. And we did it and it was very exciting. And then we were given the last of the tools that we needed to solve for a puzzle to know where to be for the I'm forgetting the sequence of events. Yeah. But anyways, it was it was neat. We got a little added value. Yeah. But I think had you not had that second part of the experience, it was still a very entertaining oh, yeah. it was, show. It, it was... I mean, very E3W. Totally E3W. Beautiful lighting. Highlight. highlight production value. And... Highlight of the game for me. Yeah. Fun little Easter egg. All those photos on mm -hmm. the wall in that bedroom were, were from, all photos from, from In Another, another room, room, which I, noticed, I thought was charming. I know. And like, it, and they had placed Terrence LeClaire kind of like up... <laughs> up up into the middle so like and he's so recognizable uh that if you're an la person you're like wait these must be because that was the thing because it's their aesthetic but by seeing this picture of terrence i'm like oh my god these are them and then you want but you don't have enough time no to, like, look for i was yourself. so in story but you're that, pretty yeah. sure you're, you're almost certain that you're in there well i i clocked it at the yeah. time because i was busy taking photographs and trying to experience the story but then later they posted a photo on their instagram and i was in the corner one of the photos and i was like ah it was oh, the ones from amazing. in another room yeah so that was a nice little nod. Oh, we've been at this. We plan on going for just like 20, 25 minutes. We have this for 50 minutes now. So oh, this dear. Is, this is its own standalone. It's, it's inevitable. Sorry. It's um, I don't know how you condense a four-day experience into 40 my, minutes. <laughs> you, you don't. There's so much to talk about. You don't. Um, we touched on it a little bit. Um, I mean, I think we kind of talked about like, you know, the structure of, of the festival itself. Um, but definitely want to circle back around for a second. Uh, when talking about some of the other immersive pieces. Yes, in there. let's. <laughs> um, 
Ava Lee Scott's Home of Enchantments. Ah, um, so good. That was my first time meeting or witnessing her work. Yeah. Because she's New York based, right? She's New York. She's, yeah. she's was, she worked at the McKittrick. She worked at Sleep No More for a very, very long time. Okay. Um, uh, what, what did she do there? She had a character named uh, Annabella. Mm. Um, who uh, I think did fortune telling was oh, one of the okay. things. Uh, cool. I think there's some other aspects to that character. Yeah. Um, if memory serves, I've never encountered her in that show. Yeah, I don't think I did. Um, either. she's been developing a couple of characters for a while and doing some interesting projects. She's doing a project in alt space VR for a while. Um, and this piece is uh based on home of enchantments which is a a, actually a scripted television series that she's developing where she also wants to have um uh kind of an immersive reflection like there's an immersive show that acts as its kind of companion piece to to the series we did a video interview and we've done some podcasts coming soon on noprosceni.com so you'll get you'll get all that but um as as an experience experience right it was it was interesting and um it was it's 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 a lot. It's super intense. She um, is a force of nature. Oh, actor. and then she's some. intense and amazing. I was really blown away because, look, we see amazing actors every day here in LA. We've got, you know, we're overflowing with some great actors, but it's a different style of immersive, I think, on the East Coast and the West Coast. I don't know how to define it, and maybe yeah. this is something you can articulate better than me, but I feel like there's a little bit more of a Broadway theatrical ethos to things on the East Coast, and there's a little bit more of a almost cinematic TV film kind of ethos to things over here. I mean, I, oh, am I generalizing too I, much? I don't, wanna, I don't know if I'd like, like split them exactly that way. There's there's something here, I think, I think insofar as, you know, the, the way I put that is put a little slight twist on it here when it's not something that's all about the interactivity of it. Cause LA tends to be a lot more interactive, a lot more game. Yeah, we do have a lot um, of that. New York tends to be a lot more kinetic, uh, performative. Yeah. Right. In New York, it's always feels like, Oh, they, they tore the curtain down and now you're on stage with them. And here it's like, oh, you've stepped through the screen. You are now a character in this experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, theirs are, are more of a passive immersive experience, and ours are more interactive. Yeah. And and there's there's and that's just generalization. Yeah. I'm sure there are many yeah. exceptions. Oh, because there's there's all there's there's stuff going on. Broken Ghost and a bunch of bunch of yeah, things yeah, playing yeah. in that space. But there's there's also like a lot more training around, you know you know, playing, playing in the room. Right. So there's just, there's just a different quality to what they do. But what's amazing about Ava's piece here is, you know, you find out within a few minutes and who knows if she'll ever do it again. So we'll just, we'll just drop a spoiler here. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if we should spoil it or not. I, let's speak, uh, let's speak, uh, generally. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about like, you know, this, cause the central thing is like, Oh, okay. I, 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 here's how I managed to do this. Uh, I've done this before. <laughs> you you find out what your role in this story is um, about about five five minutes in. Mm-hmm. Feels a little longer. But you're given you're given an object. Yeah, you're given an object. And you're, you're given a set of instructions, and you quickly realize, oh, I'm going to be, oh, I'm doing this. I now? have a, a role to play. In yeah, this. and it's one of those things where, much like. Um, I'm trying to think 
much like where, and this is an easy one to, to do because they won't do it again, much like in the season two of In Another Room where suddenly you're, you're fighting uh, the monster in the closet, right? And you're like, I never thought I'd be fighting the monster in the closet, right? It's another one of those, like, or like in uh, Then She Fell, like, I never thought I'd be painting roses with the, the white rabbit. Mm. These moments where you're like, oh, this thing, this iconic moment. I've seen this thing in film and TV over yeah. the years, but I never thought it would be, be me, me doing, it. doing it. Yeah, this and that was neat. Yeah. That was a neat thing to be put in that position. Yeah. Uh, and there's a precision in what it is. So yeah. it's not just like, oh, it's like there's a process that you go through and that she goes through yeah. and it gets intense. And I will say that, uh, and I don't think this spoils anything either, she, throughout the course of the show, inhabits multiple different characters yes which is i'm not gonna say anything more than that because she said uh, i'm glad you say that that doesn't feel like it spoils anything because she said that in front of you before in in our interview yeah yeah, in the interview and so yeah and you do not feel that that spoiled it's no it didn't spoil anything for me because i didn't know what that could mean that could mean a number of different things i mean in fact the thing that i thought it would mean it didn't so fantastic yeah she did a great job of not spoiling it so i'm trying to extend the same courtesy to our audience in case they ever get a chance and if by the way you do home of enchantments if it ever reemerges reemerges i highly recommend it anyway so i'll say i've done i've done a number of uh horror based experiences i'm a big fan of blackout i've done a number of I won't say extreme haunts because I don't really kind of go to that far extreme, but like blackout, the original extreme haunt. <laughs> blackout, I will say, is yeah. the most extreme haunt that I yeah. have done. You know what I mean? Anyways, but um, I've never really felt um, that kind of jolt of fear. It's more that that like anxiety of like, oh no, what's going to happen next? Yeah. With this experience, I didn't go in anticipating to experience any fear because. I don't know, maybe the title of it or not knowing anything about it going in. I had no preconceived notion. And so when something startled me in the experience, it really startled me. It scared the shit out of me and I was not expecting it. And it got me good. And I love it when something can get me because I'm, I'm kind of jaded sometimes. That's cool. Cause like, uh, that thing, you know, the whole fight or flight trigger, Right, like I, I took a step back. I I'm not a person who does that. I nearly took a step forward because, like, my like I get the fight instinct. Right, like it's really funny. It's like what happened to me in Alone. Right. Well, I had bought into the premise so much right. that I was afraid, and I don't want to spoil the specifics, right. but I had bought into the premise so much in that moment that when the startling thing happened, I took a step back so as not to ruin the directive I had been given. Right, and the directive I've been given, like I knew, like I I was so tempted and of course you know that would have been uh, a not good thing and i'm not saying it was we so sound tempted. like yeah and, and, but, and so let me, bizarre and, to and talk let me about, be very yeah. clear like i'm you know that that tempted to push forward is not like all like oh it's tempted to break the rules not the rules of the of oh the your hero thing. complex came into play no no no. <laughs> no 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 like not 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 the not the rules of the show but the rules of the world the character and the and rules so of the world yeah. then then you know, not knowing if there would have been consequences or not, right? Yeah. You know, but I wonder also, what would have happened had you crossed that line. line. I don't know. Uh, we'll never know. Okay. Um, and that was an amazing one-on-one experience. So and, yeah, Ava was and, amazing. And she, she did that over and over and over again each night. Yeah, that's a hell of a performance to repeat. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and I also loved the way that it ended. 
Um, it ended very beautifully. Yes. And one of the final things that you were asked to do, I don't think this spoils anything. Mm-hmm. I can just talk about the oh, rose. Yeah, yeah. The last thing that you're asked to do is she hands you a rose and you're to walk to the nearest cross street, drop the rose on the ground, say thank you and continue walking and don't look back. And even though in my mind I'm thinking you're probably not supposed to look back because someone's going to go collect that rose. But in the moment it really felt like I'm, I'm closing a chapter. I am giving a character, you know, resolution. It was, I was very powerful. And, 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 I will spoil the fact for you. No one collects the rose. We, I was seeing roses at around those corners. Really? All yeah. Oh, was, see, I like that yeah. even more. <laughs> the rose was just there. Well, there was none. I saw I them. I saw them torn up. I saw them like in Aww. various places. Like like there was a lot of roses were going out that night. Well, it was just a very poetic moment, and I I was just kind of left feeling like, huh, I did something. You yeah. know, I did something good. Um, the other the other sort of like marquee piece, if you will. Uh, that's that's firmly in immersive land is uh, room service. Yeah, and that's a chunk of uh, Creep Awake, yeah. uh, Mister Black, the one of my favorite characters. characters from this year's show, um, which I had not gotten to see oh. uh, that track because that was that was one of the tracks in Awake would lead you there. I had, and it was haunting. Yeah, it's a fantastic character, yeah. Daniel Montgomery, written and uh, performed. Um, and God, he had to wear those scleral shell lenses in that heat bless his heart yeah um <coughs> it's just this like just it's a they set out to make a creepy bedtime story and oh did they manage to make a creepy bedtime story well what's so cool about it especially having seen the first iteration of it at awake was um they took they took the same kind of general story and they they expanded it but then alongside that they created a children's storybook f- complete with illustrations and it's now an object you can buy. Like you can literally go on their website and purchase the Mr. Black nighttime storybook, which genius marketing on the part of JFI, but also it really enhanced the storytelling process. Cause when you're in that room and you're being read a bedtime story about a character that you're about to meet, there's something really creepy about that. Oh yeah. No, it was just super. It's so much fun it's it's just it's totally the kind of thing i absolutely love yeah no, and, they did a great job and just my god so so good and so one good. of the things i loved which i didn't even pick up on the time but when we interviewed them later they mentioned and this will be in our video also on noproscenium.com um god i'm such a douche uh no, they're, one of the things they're listening to the podcast. They know where the <laughs> website is. <laughs> one of the things that I loved, which uh, I think David Rezica pointed out, was that before you walked into the room, whether you noticed it or not, there was a little soundtrack of crickets playing in the courtyard outside the yeah. room, just to kind of put you in that nighttime mode. Yeah. Whether you realized it or not, you kind of entered the room and the world was set. The the level of precision, mm. right? Like this is my favorite thing JFI has ever done. Um, and, and I think it's, some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, because it's contained and because like the space they're playing in already had like a fair amount of production value in, you know, much like the willows where like that house like contributes, they get to focus on the performances and just, just get into some laser tight details. Cause this was a 10 minute experience. Yeah. And in a good way, it felt a little longer. Like I lost sense of how long 
I was in the space. Neat. And that's always something I want. So yeah. that that one two punch and and I pity I think it was Marcy Hume who who went to them back to back. Uh, I pity anyone who went to them back to back because they're so very That's like different. a whiplash, yeah. Total whiplash. Um and and just but also like really great that like it's it's curated in um, and so like, I mean, when it comes down to, it, I mean, this, this, this is the thing, this, the, the upside to the festival is like the, the taste on this stuff, like that is being demonstrated is absolutely impeccable. Right. Um, and that's why it's like this great, you know, it, it's, it's such a, it's such an attractive, you know, lure if you're an immersive head, it's like, Oh yeah. Like this is, this no, is great programming. Best. I mean, yeah. and shout out to Landon and Lerman for kind of bringing in such a, stable of amazing creators and yeah. and not just the LA scene. I mean, the fact that they brought in people from all over this year was, was yeah. aces. And I think it's still, it's still at this point where, you know, if particularly if, if you're a horror fan and an immersive fan, this is a clear destination for you. Right. Year I definitely, year. yeah, I'd say yeah. if you like horror movies and you like immersive things, you should be at the Overlook Film Festival. Yeah. Whether or not you want to do the platinum, yeah. you know, all access, whatever, if you want to see movies and maybe just dip in and out of the game, that is possible yeah. uh, to a lesser degree. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, you know, you know, going forward, we'll like, see how they, you know, what lessons they learn from this year. Because that's been the other thing. It's like year after year after year, they've they've looked at what they've learned, they've retooled, and they've, they've moved forward. Yeah, and I mean, credit to them for all our, you know, rants and raves. They they take things under consideration and they definitely do try and, you know, within reason, address the concerns that they've heard. So props to them because that's hard to do. It's You can't please everybody. There's no way. There's so many spectrum of different, you know, people's interests. And, you know, there's the game people. There's the film people. There's the people who want more engagement. There's the people who don't want to be bothered. So, you know, kudos to them. Yeah. At the end of the day, they did a great job. And in fact, I would say that my my only, I won't even call them criticisms, my only suggestions for future years would be, you know, maybe a little bit less of a division between the different tiers and maybe more just kind of like everyone's playing the game together. And then if you want to have that kind of added value experience, that's in addition to the game, not two separate games. However, I really enjoyed the game that we had this year. And I know that the other team despite being sad that they couldn't play with us also really enjoyed their path and just kind of let go of the, okay, well, we're not going to see our friends as much, but we're going to make new friends. And so they went and did that. One of the things I was sad about was that I didn't get to meet any of those kind of newer players mm. uh, this year. Cause they were, you know, on another track than I was. So I think that the benefit of having all of us crazies in with the new rookie players, if we're not going to be total crazies <laughs> is that we can kind of help, guide people into the game and they can also kind of rejuvenate our excitement and it's it's fun solving things as a group together but what ended up happening worked beautifully and at the end we all reconvened for one big final set piece except it wasn't the final set piece because for the platinum folks there was more to come that's right so you guys got a thing the next morning so yeah so the final night the final party we were all called over to the bar or the theater across the street. Yeah. Always lounge or a, a, a theater behind. The yeah. Yeah. Lounge. Yeah. And, uh, basically across the street from where the, the closing night party. So, was. so explain yeah. from your perspective, because from our perspective, we already knew that the characters, Pierre and Anais were 
you know, evil. <laughs> we just, we just knew. So, like, you know, and this, this is something like in terms of the structure of the game, right? Like to go back to, it felt like there was a sorting hat moment, like at at the art gallery, and then this was something that was a little bit of a source of frustration to me. Is like, it didn't matter whether you whether you show you you gave her the poison, uh, or or not. It seemed it it didn't affect your path. It didn't make you suddenly have a different allegiance. Uh, and logistically there would have been no way they could have, they could have done that. Right. Uh, that would have created like a branching path in the others. And suddenly it wouldn't have been two tracks. It would have been three tracks going on. And I think they all would have like, I think it, it created, it created a, a sorting hat uh, for what happened next within that experience, just not for the rest of the game. And here's why. If you had the mark on your hand, yeah. you were the one who got spit on. Right. But then it didn't but then it did, had no it had no resonance afterwards. Yeah, right? but it was you a know. fun gag. Yeah. But it's 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 all for the gag. Um but particularly because you were interacting with Roz, right? Cuz that was like something like doing on the other side. So anyway, we get we, I think we, we I think it re- served a purpose though because I think with Roz giving you that that bottle and not really telling you what it was, you did still have that moment of shock when you go to give it to Anais and she explains that's poison. So now it's like, oh, wait a minute. Am I on board with poisoning her? Am I, you know? Well, that was one of the things that was interesting was like, you know, because you got a chance to meet Roz and she got to make her case. And I'm assuming people who met Judah, you know, Judah got to make his case. And this, this is something where it's like, and it felt like, oh, oh like, are we going to side with the gentrifiers or are you going to side with the people who are trying to hold on to their house? And there was something, there was actually something there, like underneath the story of, you know, the magic and the dead bodies. Like there was like a, a morality tale is the wrong word, but yeah. there was like a, there was like an actual topical tale. There was like, there was something really solid there and like it was grounded. And that was something that's something that I like is when supernatural stories are also very grounded in you know, real world struggles. Yeah. And in fact, one of my favorite parts of the game ended up happening after the game was ostensibly over for everyone on the all access track, but our morning experience after we'll get there in a second, but like it it was a humanizing moment. Yeah. So like, you know, we, we at that point, we didn't really know. I mean, I think some people would, uh, the funny thing was like the, the next morning, you know, you know, the, the two of them were really sick. They had been clearly had been cursed. Um, and there was, there was, there was another puzzle distribution. The irony being that like I had to go and like, uh, host the immersive panel. And so I literally forgot that I had the puzzles in my bag because it, it instantly became like I had something, I had a task that absolutely had to be done and there was other things going on. And so then I was like, Oh, and, and I was so busy for the rest of that day that, I, but I knew at that point that you could look at things that you could look at the Instagram, like Ananis's Instagram and see, and I was like, Oh, here's where we're supposed to be, you know, be, be at the place. Across yeah. The they did a good job of yeah. catching people up. If you didn't have time to solve or were stuck on a puzzle, yeah. there was always some delivery system, either an email or an Instagram that let you know where to be next. Yeah. And so, and because of the thing that had happened the day before, like coming out and not knowing where, and then getting the email later at that point I was reassured. I was like, Oh, Okay. If I feel like I'm going to fall off, I know I'm not going to fall There's off. There's always an available reentry point. Yeah. And that was nice to know at that point, right? But that, that little anxiety for a while there was like, well, did everything fall off? Uh, um, coming back around, you know, we knew to go, we knew to go to the thing. 
uh, to go to the plate to go to the space at a certain time. It was pretty clear at that point that like you guys had a different time you were supposed to go in. I was like, okay, you guys are going in a different time. Um, so it felt a little obvious. Okay, they're going to come in after. Um, and there was this there was this nice like you know little you kind of like art projecty like you know we were making like signs and whatnot. And then there was uh, then there was a heel turn uh, on their part. Um, because it was still like they were still playing that they'd been playing the victim like all along, and right? we knew secretly that they were no victim. Yeah, but they'd been playing <laughs> the victim all along. But then, and then we kind of got the, you know this you know some melodrama back and forth of like you know they they, they weren't victims, but they were, but they kind of were, but they weren't, and like you know so like up until this was, point, everyone was kind of culpable. Up yeah. until this point in game, your group was made to believe that Anais and her brother Pierre were these poor young souls who were just trying to do their art and make their movies and these awful witch coven people were terrorizing them and threatening them. Is that that kind of the general I mean, gist it, that you'd been it, painted? It felt it felt like there was legitimate beef, right? It felt like you know these were these like naive kids um naive kids who had something creepy about them particularly because like once you'd gone through their house it was like yo these are not normal people yeah, by like, that point but i'm just saying yeah. at the beginning it was presented to you like they're the victims here they're sweet innocent young things and but they're also but you know, the flip side it was like you know like we bought this house and they're fighting them like oh you threw some people out of their house right now, you the know? bank threw them out of the house yeah. let's be clear but like <laughs> but but still like it's gentle particularly because because on day one you know you do meet Roz and Roz has got legitimate beef yeah and so it was like and now that, that and I'm not going to say like missed opportunity, but like it did, there was definitely a moment where I was like, oh, oh, like I can sympathize with, you know, these people. Cause like, you know, again, they like, they've got good actors and they, and it felt like, oh, I'm going to, I'm choosing between these two charismatic people. Right. Cause yeah, like, you didn't feel like you were choosing a bad side either way. Exactly. You know, they made both sides sympathetic. Exactly. Um, and that was, that was, that was nice. Very Although, good writing. But it also meant, uh, but because of the structure, like you couldn't actually choose, you know, the un, the unholy. No, side. you weren't given the choice. You were just yeah. presented the two sides and then kind of sent on that path. Exactly. Um, and. But uh, once those paths diverged. Yeah. That's when we learned much more about your characters that you were following. And I don't know that you necessarily learned the reverse. No, we didn't. We because didn't, what ended yeah. up happening in this finale moment yeah. was, was the, the unholy mess coven and all their fresh meat, meaning all of their, the platinum players came in to undo what had actually turned out to be uh, a, a curse spell that, um, uh, and Anise and Pierre had put together because they were going to drain everyone's life force uh, and empower themselves. We came to, to save you guys. To be immortal. Um, and then there was like a lot of... They kind of set it up like it was going to be <clears throat> almost like a battle. Like yeah. like all the kind of whisperings and the social media and everything. Everyone thought it was going to be like, oh no, it's us versus them and it's going to be a battle. But yeah. really what we came to do was free you. Yeah. Yeah. And so... And then there was like, you know, a lot of... There was there was there was a back and forth, and there was actually what was what I liked most about that sequence was the 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 most strident the, the head of the witch coven uh, shows up. Never knew that character's name. Sarah. Way. Sarah. Never never knew that character's name. Uh, you know, shows up. Sarah at, was not the head. She was just like the second in command. Okay, so <laughs> Sarah shows up and um, just kind of lays down the law. And, you know, Pierre and Anise, like, they they bite the bullet. But Roz and Judah, like... They were not dead. 
Oh, they were not dead? They oh, were not dead. They seemed dead. Um, I know, that was clarified to us. Okay. Uh, they were weakened. They were weakened. Okay. It, it seemed, in that moment... It, it we read, all it chanted. Read, yeah, it read, like, it read like they died. Um, and then Roz and Judah, because they had... Um, you know, they had sort of set the the two of those them up had been sort of surrogate parents to them and like taught them things they shouldn't have known. They got uh, excommunicated from the coven uh, because they had messed up. So sort of like everyone lost. Yeah, it, that's uh, where that it was moment. left for for most players. Yeah. was just kind of like a lose lose situation. Yeah. I mean, yes, we banished this evil thing, we stopped it from happening, but these kids are almost dead, and these poor older witches are now no longer part of their coven so who really won yeah well that's where things were left for the all-access track yep for the platinum track we were told to um meet up in the morning at the mudlark theater again Mm -hmm. so we went back to the same place we'd been a day or two prior i've lost all concept of time yeah. <laughs> so i'll be much more organized you saw what happened I earlier that. like i like i like <laughs> forgot that i saw Roz before the thing because like the yeah. day had been so long that i thought i had anyway so anyway so we all one of the things that was thrown at our feet on the very first night and uh, it was hilarious was this giant cloak and it ended up being part of our puzzle solving there was actually hand stitched symbols on the cloak that oh, were part boy. of our puzzles it was great yeah and my buddy garrett shout out garrett um, who's been coming to the festival for three years now and played the game. Um, he it, They threw it at his feet, coincidentally, so he ended up lugging this <laughs> heavy cloak around in his backpack all weekend long because he didn't know when this thing was going to come into play. And then poor Garrett could not make it in the morning because he had a, another plan that he had to be at. And so he lugged this whole thing around. And the moment that it was needed most was that morning event that oh he God. didn't get to witness. Don't worry, I filmed it. <laughs> Garrett, you'll get to see the whole thing later. Had he, but he, had he handed the cloak off to someone else at that point? He did. He gave it to me to okay. give to them. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So we bring the cloak with us, and basically we go into this theater, and it was hilarious. So Molly Elfman mm. was there, yeah. and she was kind of in her usual producer, you know, stand here, come inside. She gives you the rules, and then she's like, all right, just uh, wait here for a sec, guys. And so she goes, and she bangs on a door, and she's like, Sarah, what's going on? Yeah. You know, is very weirdly out of character. Yeah. And then the door opens and out comes the character, Sarah, the witch. Yeah. But instead of being in her full, you know, cloaked regalia, mm-hmm. she's just in like regular street clothes. And she's like, ah, oh, you know, she, they're not a coven anymore, basically. So yeah, now yeah. They, they've lost their powers. It's kind of reminiscent of the end of the craft. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, but now we have a choice to make. So we have to choose whether or not we're going to banish or... Um, I'm forgetting what was the terminology. It was banish or basically save. Um, what's the word that we used? Uh, oh, this is terrible. All the players are screaming it from their house right now. Anyways, it'll all be no in the article. <laughs> so we go into the theater, and there on the stage are Pierre and Anais. They're oh. wearing all white. They're sitting on the floor. They're back to back. I think they might have been tied up. They might not have. I'm not sure. But they were incapacitated still. So they were mm. still in their weakened state. And we were told that since their coven is now dead, we are now the fresh meat coven and we were deemed as such. So we are now the fresh meat coven Mm -hmm. and we needed to choose a leader. And unanimously we chose our dear friend, Rob Baird, who has been an active player since we met in Portland, 2017. And he was just such a good sport and so willing and happy to help people along the way. Anyways, he was the clear choice front runner. 
<laughs> and then the poor guy had to put on that cloak in the hot <laughs> New Orleans <laughs> sun <laughs> because that is what a leader must do. Anyway, so we go into the other room and we literally have to take a vote on whether or not to banish them. Mm. And so we literally fill out a, a, a ballot with a symbol and we put it down and then Robert in his poor cloak has to go through and uh, count the votes and it was split right down the middle, seven and seven. Oh, wow. If Garrett had been able to join us, just saying. Tiebreaker, yeah. So because it was split 50-50, the leader had to decide. And without a moment's hesitation, this mf turns around and goes, banish. And then they died. Mm. So they died a horrible, bloody death in front of our very eyes. And it was very upsetting. And then we were all kicked out to have to you know, face the decisions that we'd made. So we exit the theater into the street Mm -hmm. and who do we see standing, stumbling across the street in like, you know, baggy shitty jeans and like a tie dye shirt and one's wearing a tank top. Roz and Judah Mm. drunk, stumbling Mm. around, chatting us up as though they've never met us before in their lives. And they're like, you guys want to take some selfies? You know, we're taking selfies with them. We're all hanging out. And we're asking them like questions about the covenant. They don't know what we're talking about. And we're just trying to get any answers from them. And then it becomes clear they have no recollection of anything that happened. They Their memories have must have been wiped clean. Who knows? And then they were like, oh, nice meeting you. And they kind of just stumble off into the distance down the road drinking a beer. So even though we got that kind of added ending it was still it still felt like a lose-lose kind of ending because now the kids are dead yeah and and the others the others the others are no longer part of the coven the only good thing to come from it was a new coven has risen yeah (laughs) a coven of fresh meat (laughs) oh all of them witches so um i guess we'll have to see what happens potentially in future years or not (laughs) who knows and that's the interesting question i i i can't wait to find out yeah. Will they be doing a, you know, a, a resurgence of the storyline with the same creators? Will they be bringing new artists and res- residents every year? I know that had been talked about. So I guess it, we'll see what yeah. Lyndon and Lerman decide. We'll see. We'll see what the uh, the fates decree. Yeah. All right. We have been at this for uh, almost an hour and a half. Uh, ah, so boy. we're going to we're going to stop just to, you know, for all those who made it through congratulations sorry um we've we've said we've said everything everything else will just be written up and there's plenty more to come through as we mentioned before there's a bunch of artist interviews coming through got some real Um, fun videos and if you are if you're trying to follow up on folks you know keep an eye on jfi keep an eye on e3w go to tommy's stuff keep an eye on what eric and Eva have coming because I know dry craft, they've yeah. got and, and what Eric's got going on with Drycraft because I know he's working on something over there. Um, and keep an eye on Ava Lee Scott and uh, if you can Clay McLeod Chap. Yeah, yeah, he's got a book out. Yeah. Uh, right now and uh, and also the and Fire Escape VR experience, which we didn't get to talk about much, but yeah. it was highly enjoyable and interactive. And that's from that's from Ink Stories, yeah. who, uh, who are are best known for doing Hero, which uh, made the festival circuit. And Saints Bone, go go check out Escape and My Room New Orleans. Definitely check out Andrew's uh, yeah. Escape My Room. Uh, if if you're anywhere near New Orleans, you you have to. Even if like, even if like. 
if you're an immersive person who are like, oh, escape rooms, no, go. Do it. And if you're an escape room person, definitely have, make a trip to New Orleans. They've yeah. got enough rooms. And they just, and you'll hear the same thing, they're just opening up a new the aquarium, uh, p- thing. The aquarium yeah. thing called Escape Extinction, which they've been working on for two years and have had like over 100 people working a on it. A family-friendly aquarium-based escape experience. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Based on the extinction of sharks? Yeah. Uh, in the in what is uh, known as the f- sort of five wits tradition of uh, escape experiences. So cool. um, definitely sounds like an absolute blast. All right. That's enough for now. Uh, <laughs> is it? It is. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week when we'll say no. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for Matt, so much for having me. And, and it was a real blast. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't get to play together, but hopefully we will next year. There'll be a day. Once again, want to thank Kara for coming on the show today and sharing her thoughts about the Overlook game uh, and our time in New Orleans. Again, a lot more coming through videos and podcasts uh, out of the festival. So we've got a treasure trove of content coming your way, including written up. Uh, I'll be writing up my impressions over uh, this weekend because uh, I'm perpetually playing catch up. Um I want to talk about New Orleans itself for a second, though. Um, There's just, I was staying out at Nostalgia Purgatory, uh, which is the in-development story room Airbnb that's being developed by Winthorne uh, out in Carrollton, which is an absolutely charming neighborhood just west of, uh, well, Carrollton itself is like kind of where the colleges are. Uh, And then we were in East Carrollton, which for some reason is west of Carrollton. I, that's what the map says. I don't understand it. Look, it's the garden district. It's just, it, things happen. Um, and uh, Nostalgia Purgatory is just one block away from uh, a strip of stores on Oak Street. Um, and this, that street is like a trap. Um, a beautiful, wonderful trap. It's as if someone crawled into my subconscious and said, what if we designed a street just for Noah Nelson? Let me tell you about this street because this street, um, called to me, uh, and, and Wynn showed me around in, in just a, a few minutes, uh, you know, after arrival. So, uh, the first thing is, uh, the streetcar services it, uh, the St. Charles line, uh, which can take you down to the French quarter. Uh, and then, there's uh, a coffee place, uh, a cafe on the corner called Rue de la Course, uh, which is open till 11 o'clock. And it's kind of got the feel of like somewhere between like a second wave and a third wave, you know, cafe. Uh, so a little bit more of a, a laptopy joint, uh, but it's made out of an old bank because there's a bunch of old banks there. Uh, and a little bit down the street, uh, well, across the street, there's a burger stand. Uh, about a block away, there's a comic book store, More Fun Comics, which has been there since 1991. Uh, and it just took me right back to being in Comic Relief in Berkeley circa 1991. Um, a little further down the street, there's a tabletop game cafe called D4 where they serve bread pudding that's really good. I mean, just I don't understand how this, this street exists. There's 
two Japanese restaurants, one of which is a karaoke bar. Um, there's two or three cantinas, one of which has like $9 margaritas and is this big, big old house. Uh, the Maple Leaf, which is one of the oldest music venue bars in town, is over there. Giacomo's, which is like one of the most famous restaurants in town, is over there. Um, around the corner, there's a pho place, a Middle Eastern restaurant, a Thai place. Okay, you know I like food and just absolutely all amazing. But the fact there's also a comic book store, karaoke, and a game store, um, just, just what was going, I don't understand exactly what was going on. A used bookstore that was excellent and I got some some pretty fun books at. Uh, and then on the same block as Rue de la Course and just just across the street from the comic book store, it's a place called Live Oak Cafe where I had breakfast every morning. The best biscuits I think I've ever had. Full stop. Boom. Put a button on it. Um, and these amazing blueberry uh, compote topped pancakes uh, with Chantilly cream, uh, like sliced mint, cane syrup. Just, oh God, just thinking about it is amazing. But the best thing about that place unexpectedly is music every morning, live music every morning, gentle live music every morning um and just just that's just like full charm uh it takes a little time to get stuff out of the kitchen uh it definitely not so i like to say la prices but not la pace but oh god uh i just want to go back uh to that street and spend three weeks there so i did have i did have a good time in in new orleans um you know uh, on the whole and again the JFI piece and House of Enchantments were just so freaking good. And um, my my disappointment around the game, uh, you know, mostly had to do with just I somehow my schedule kept me from doing like the Saturday puzzles. Like I kind of I kind of bounced off of it. Um, but what I was really glad that I wasn't I didn't bounce completely off the game because I was I was there to see that. And what the team put together was was really solid, really good, great performances, and had that cinematic eye that E3W has. So there we go. Uh, that's the wrap uh, for now on all that. Uh, Fringe is coming up. Uh, keep your eye on the website. We're, we've got tons coming up from there. Um, we've got some plans uh, around getting the team back together uh, on a more regular basis to kind of uh, just, you know, start looking at the big, broad swath of everything. I'm kind of coming out of the the uh, <laughs> winter of discontent that was May, um, although I still have a lingering cold from May. And I'm I'm starting to feel a little bit more like myself. Um, as you know, like May was really stressful so um hoping that uh june isn't may <laughs> all right enough of that for now uh this has been a 90 minute show all right let's do what we do once again uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you help us out here our sustaining backers are mark baltazar jan budman lonnie hands-on ari hurston sam kinkin and samuel mustry the credits uh the music for no proscenium is by chris porter of the speakeasy society you can find us at no proscenium.com at no proscenium on twitter and facebook at no underscore proscenium uh on the insta and patreon.com slash no proscenium to help out this insanity. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>